chapter twenty one of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the petit bleu the road to paris was long by the way jim horton and piquette had chosen but without mishap they came through geneva and lyon reaching their destination at the end of the second day of the further adventures of monsieur barry quinlevin and his apostle tricot they had learned nothing though they had scanned all the newspapers upon their way for any echoes of the adventure at the hotel de paris jim horton had spoken little of moira but as they neared their journey's end the birth certificate and other papers still secure in jim's inner pocket he was sure that however difficult and painful his decision to desert moira at the critical moment piquette's counsel had been wise moira had fled from him and he knew now that her convictions had laid a barrier between them which no further effort that he could make would ever pass pity he felt for her deep and abiding for she was so helpless and now more than ever alone but he had done his duty as he had seen it drawn quinlevin's sting and opened moira's eyes to his perfidy throwing a light along the path into which that perfidy was leading her he and piquette had tried to picture events in the hotel at monte carlo after their flight the helpless men lying in the dark awaiting the morning moira's probable return with nora burke and their liberation as to what moira would do after that they could not decide her flight to paris without money seemed impossible and yet for her to remain with her spurious father after this awakening seemed also impossible piquette had related to him parts of her conversation with the girl and horton had listened aware of piquette's motives and the hopeless impediments to the success of her efforts piquette spoke no more of love nor did jim horton revive the topic which had given him a more awkward half an hour than he had ever spent in his life but he showed her by every act a consideration that touched her deeply and made the friendship that she asked of him a sacred thing to them both what the future held for him was yet to be fully revealed but as yet he could not see it clearly with the collapse of quinlevin's scheme it was probable that all the vials of his wrath would be turned upon horton who would be denounced to the military authorities no matter what happened to his unfortunate brother harry it was necessary therefore until the birth certificate and the evidence of horton and piquette was all placed with Monsieur de vautrin's legal representative that horton remain hidden and that piquette avoid all contact with her friends of the quartier it seemed also the part of prudence for piquette to remain for a while away from her apartment keeping in touch with her maid who would bring her clothing and letters to a designated place it would have been much more sensible to have killed tricot laughed horton when they were established in rooms in his obscure lodging in the rue jean paul 
he'll come poking about with a brand new knife and revolver and then we'll have the devil to pay all over again i'm not sure said piquette we'll take no chances and when this business is finished if monsieur de vautrin doesn't do his duty by you i'd like to take you away from paris piquette where mon jim he shrugged to america where else but she shook her head like a solemn child no mon petit you will not wish to be taking me to america one cannot change one's destiny like that you shall not hang me like a millstone around your neck my place is here in paris where i am born and if the bon dieu will where i shall die as for you mon ami all will be well the vrai gamine is born with the what you call second sight it is i piquette who say this to you he glanced at her curiously aware of an air of fatalism in her words and manner how piquette he laughed she shrugged i don't know but i believe you shall be happy yet with her you mean he asked not a chance piquette that's done but if i can help her yes you shall help her mon ami i know he smiled gently and then thoughtfully lighted a pipe you got cassandra beaten by a mile my little piquette cassandra the greatest little guesser in all history but she guessed right and i guess right too mon ami you see he smiled then i wish you'd guess what's happened to your silly friend de vautrin silly she laughed that's a good word mon ami and then shrugged he will come one day in a week and here we sit cooling our heels with our evidence all okay burning our fingers if he doesn't arrive to-morrow i'm going to find his avocat they had examined the birth certificate with a magnifying glass and there was not a doubt that the final a of patricia had been added to patrice also that the word male had been changed to female by the addition of the prefix with nora burke as quinlevin's only witness and horton and piquette to oppose her there would not be the slightest difficulty in disposing of barry quinlevin's pretensions but horton still worried much about the fate of moira for it was difficult for him to conceive of her resumption of the old relations with the irishman and yet it could not be long before quinlevin returned to paris and what would be moira's fate unless she accompanied him to the rue de tavennes perhaps she was there now already four days had elapsed since the flight from the riviera and of course there had been ample time for quinlevin and his illy assorted company to return horton wanted to go to the rue de tavennes and try to learn what had happened but piquette advised against it until the responsibility for the papers was shifted to de vautrin she did not think it wise for him to take any risk of danger jim horton demurred but when he saw how much in earnest she was he consented to remain in hiding a few days longer and late the following afternoon monsieur de vautrin not yet having returned and while they still waited an astonishing thing happened 
for piquette's maid under cover of nightfall as was the arrangement brought the letters from the boulevard clichy and among them was a petit bleu addressed to jim horton he picked it up gingerly in his fingers as though it had been dynamite and curiously scrutinized the envelope it augured badly for his security in paris if many people knew so readily where he was to be found de vautrin perhaps or he tore the envelope open quickly piquette looking over his shoulder it was in french of course and he read shall be alone rue de tavennes to-night eight forgive and don't fail moira he read the lines over and over piquette helping him to translate and stood a moment as though transfixed by its significance forgive that was the word that stood out in black letters what had come over her did this mean that driven to desperation by the situation in which she had found herself she had been forced against her will to plead with him for sanctuary or was it help that she needed whatever the real meaning of the message there was no doubt in jim horton's mind as to where his duty lay but piquette was already questioning celeste rapidly when did this petit bleu arrive not an hour ago madame you are sure yes madame positive i myself received it from the messenger very well celeste you will return to the apartment and if any other message arrives be sure to bring it at once yes madame and be sure to take the roundabout way and be sure that you are not followed yes madame when the woman departed piquette took the blue slip from jim horton's fingers and sat by the gaslight re-reading it slowly and thoughtfully i must go of course piquette said jim quietly yes mon ami you must go and yet there are some things i don't understand what piquette it is strange this sudden change of mind of madame horton she replied she wants me needs me said jim unaware of the pain he caused piquette shrugged i could have told you that at monte carlo she said dryly but to ask you to come to her it's different that and yet she has done it the character of madame has changed a great deal in a few days mon jim something must have happened her position think of it piquette i do it is most unpleasant but i think you would be the very last person she would send for who then piquette i she rose and handed him his message you must go she said with a shrug and there is not much time but with your permission mon jim she asked firmly i will go with you you piquette he stammered dubiously but she smiled at him ah mon vieux i shall not intrude you know that n'est-ce pas but madame horton and i we understand each other perhaps i can help her too and where could she go unless to the boulevard clichy jim horton stood speechless for a moment and then slowly i hadn't thought of that he muttered 
they dined and then piquette went to her room to put on her hat while jim horton sat watching the clock which ticked off the minutes before their departure of course moira's appeal for forgiveness was only the weary cry of a heart sick with disappointment a cry for sanctuary from the dreaded evils that encompassed her but he would not permit himself to believe that it meant any new happiness for him except the mere joy that he would find in doing her a service what he hoped was that at last she had decided to permit him to take her away from quinlevin with that he would be content must be content for the thing that separated them was stronger than her will or his there's no divorce but death her words came to him again the weary tones with which she had uttered them and he realized again that there was no hope for her or for him even if his will were stronger than hers he must not use it to coerce her when piquette joined him they went forth by a circuitous way toward the rue de Tavenne to be certain that they were not recognized they avoided the populous streets and chose narrow byways shadowed and unfamiliar their coat collars turned up their hats pulled well down over their eyes while horton strode beside her saying nothing to see moira to speak to her to take her away from the rogue who had for so long held her in his thrall as they turned into the rue de Tavenne, horton glanced at his watch it was some moments before the appointed hour under a gas lamp he glanced at piquette he thought that she seemed pale that her dark eyes burned with a deeper intensity that she was compact of suppressed emotions as though she were driven forward upon her feet by a power beyond her control and something of her tenseness seemed curiously communicated to him was it that piquette knew that the spell that bound her to him was to be broken to-night that the strange and wonderful friendship that she had found was to be dissipated by a new element why had she chosen to come with him insisted on it even and the rapt eager absorbed look he had seen upon her face made him almost ready to believe that she had in her something of the seer and prophetess at which he had been pleased to jest he knew that she was game physically spiritually and that she could walk into the face of danger and suffering to do him a service it almost seemed as though she had chosen to come with him to-night because it was her final act of self-abnegation to bring jim and moira together to help the woman he loved to security if not to happiness as they neared the familiar gate of madame toupin horton was conscious of a sense of grave responsibility it was the same feeling that had come to him there in the trench before the advance upon boissiere wood the imminence of great events the splendid possibilities of success 
the dire consequences of failure a hazard of some kind with happiness or misery for many as the stake at the corner piquette suddenly caught him by the elbow and held him wait mon ami she whispered wait he looked down at her in surprise at the sudden pause in her eager footsteps why piquette he asked i i don't know mon jim she muttered breathlessly one hand to her heart i don't know something tell me to wait do you want to go back he asked no no what then i can't tell you just a feeling that you should not go i am not sure but i don't understand nor i mon jim she laughed have i not told you de vrai gamine have second sight forgive me you think i am foolish but it is here in my heart you do not want me to go to her piquette he asked yes to her mon jim c'est bien is it not for that which i come she hesitated for another long moment jim watching her and then raised her head like some wild creature sniffing at the breeze allons she said we shall go now he smiled at her mood and they went on piquette making no further protest and reached the gate of madame toupin where they paused for a moment the loge was dark and the gate was open this was unusual but horton remembered that sometimes madame toupin and her pretty daughter went together for visits in the neighborhood two men were chatting under the lamp in the courtyard but so absorbed in their own affair that they gave no attention to the visitors who entered the building and slowly climbed the stairs so familiar to jim and so suggestive of the greatest joy and the greatest misfortune he had ever known piquette followed him one step behind clinging to the tail of his overcoat they met no one a light showed beyond a transom on the second floor the odor of a cigarette was wafted to them and the sound of a voice softly singing there was no other studio apartment on the third floor but moira's and they mounted the steps softly on tiptoe peering upward into the obscurity for signs of illumination that would proclaim occupancy but they could see no light but the reflection of the cold starlit sky which came through a window on the stair and outlined the rail and baluster is there no light asked piquette in a voice which in spite of itself seemed no more than a whisper i can't see any yet muttered jim and then as his head came in line with the floor he pointed upward above the door the transom showed ah elila she gasped falling into her native tongue unconsciously silently they mounted and jim knocked upon the door there was no reply he knocked more loudly silence again then he put his hand on the knob and turned it the door yielded and they entered piquette peering curiously over his shoulder and around the room the gaslight turned low cast a dim light over the room the corners were bathed in shadow and horton's gaze swept them eagerly while he moved here and there 
the familiar chairs the couch by the big window the easel with its canvas the draperies the lay figure seemed to be all as when he had seen them last but there was no one there the studio was empty with piquette close at his side he went to the door of the kitchenette it was locked and the key was in the door it had been fastened from the studio side that's curious muttered jim she may have gone out for a moment perhaps said piquette jim went around the studio glancing at the windows and then joined his companion by the door scrutinizing his watch we're a few moments early piquette he muttered i will go down mon ami and ask when she come back she ventured and they went out of the studio closing the door behind them but jim horton hesitated glancing back at the door i wonder if there could have been any mistake he muttered eight o'clock i don't understand jim said piquette i do not like to look at this i am afraid she peered down into the obscurity suddenly and put her fingers to her lips someone is coming she murmured it is she paused listened and then caught him by the arm it is not a woman it is a man listen he obeyed catching her meaning and its significance quickly the footsteps were surely not those of a woman and the stairs to the floor below creaked heavily a man who he muttered it is what i fear we must hide somewhere quick the door of the hall room jim had slept in was near them tiptoeing over to it quickly the girl behind him he tried the knob it yielded and they entered its darkness leaving the door wide enough open so that they could look out the man was now climbing up the stair and reached the landing if either of them had expected to see barry quinlevin they were disappointed for the figure was heavier strangely similar to jim horton's and like him wore a dark overcoat and slouch hat and while they peered out at him the man hesitated looked up at the transom and then turned the knob and entered the studio closing the door carefully behind him jim horton had felt piquette's fingers clutch his arm and questioned in a whisper what is it piquette your brother harry she gasped impossible he's at camp i would swear it in civilian clothes he knows better than that he laughed gently you're nervous piquette it's harry i tell you she insisted i am no mistake hm. it did look like him but what i don't know it's strange what i think but why should harry come here when moira sent me and what if she did not send you the petit bleu you mean i don't know that harry sent it why would he want to meet me he shrugged but it's queer piquette if he's here to worry her again i'll break his head Shh, whispered piquette calming him she must go with me mon ami he nodded but she isn't there i don't understand we must wait here and so they stood at the door listening for sounds from below silence and then a strange commotion close at hand suddenly piquette clutched jim's arm jim he heard her whisper in sudden terror what is it he had heard the same thing too 
a faint sound like a cough followed by a groan as though someone were struggling for breath another pause while they listened again there was no mistaking it now jim horton had heard the same sounds before from the throat of one of the engineers who had been horribly gassed another groan then the impact of a heavy body falling jim horton sprang out into the hallway drawing his automatic and threw himself against the studio door it was locked he assaulted it again again and at last the door jamb tore away and he was precipitated into the middle of the room revolver in hand glaring about him piquette close beside him her eyes distended with horror in the middle of the floor near the fireplace lay the figure of a man quite motionless a dark blotch growing on the rug beneath his body and the distorted face turned toward the feeble light of the flickering gas-jet was that of his brother harry saint vierge came from piquette in an awed tone he has killed himself but jim was bending over the body impossible a knife under the arm in the heart it's murder he straightened keenly alert and searched the room quickly weapon in hand thoroughly aware of its possibilities for concealment a chair was overturned but the lay figure the draperies the easel were undisturbed and the door into the kitchen was locked the key on the outside as before the thing was unbelievable and the mystery deepened as he searched moira was not here had not been here he was sure of it now this trap supernatural it seemed had been set to catch jim horton and harry god knows how or why harry had walked into it as piquette bent over to examine the dead man horton hauled her away quickly he had just wits enough left to know how dangerous was his own position don't touch anything this is a case for the police come and he led the way down the stairs to the second floor shouting incoherently for help while piquette her tongue loosened now ably seconded him and in a moment it seemed the entire household appeared in the hallway while people from the court and from the street came crowding up horton who knew that there was no possibility of the murderer's escape by the window stood at the stair on the second floor guarding it still bewildered by the mystery trying to explain while the crowd surged up and a police officer who had been passing forced his way through to him piquette gathering her courage explained telling him briefly what had happened while they had watched from the room upstairs the police officer went up with horton and piquette and entered the studio the crowd following to the door where the policeman commanded them to stop then while he questioned piquette he lighted all the burners and examined the body then the closet the windows and with drawn weapon approached the door to the kitchenette it was still locked the key still in the door he turned the key then locked it again you say you tried this door when you first entered the room he asked yes monsieur said piquette promptly we thought that madame horton might be inside but finding it locked we did not go in 
the policeman drew back muttering most extraordinary he said there is a door from these other rooms into the hallway outside yes the policeman pushed away through the crowd and tried the door from the outside it too was locked he turned to the crowd no one came out of this door no one no one monsieur and this other door indicating the hall room there was no one there said a man who seemed much at home one of us went in when we came up the stair and came out saying it was empty look you may see for yourself and he threw the door open while the officer investigated he came out more puzzled than ever rejoining horton and piquette at the door of the studio summoning the man and one or two of the others with horton and piquette as witnesses taking the names and addresses carefully this is a case for the commissaire he said to them you will please wait End of chapter 21